0: John chapter 21. I was reading this, and as, as I was reading chapter 21, the beginning, I was like, well, there's not much here. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory. And then as I was, again, so when you read it and you study, study it, it it's, it's two different concepts. When I read it for, usually what I do is I read it and I was like, okay, got it. I think I'm going to break it down over here. I think I'm only going to get this far. So yesterday when I was uh, reading it and and I got to study it, I noticed that it took me back a few chapters back, and there was some stuff that I missed out, that I left out. And the challenge today is if you guys catch the things, and I'm going to take you guys to those verses, and if you guys catch the things that we kind of skipped or we missed, I'm going for the big candy today, guys. Bag of Skittles. Airheads. And now I'm going to keep the rest. Those two. All right? I'm going to give it to the two people that get the answer right. It's kind of like an obvious, an obvious answer, but somehow I missed it. So John 21, verses 1 through 14. Let's get to reading and then we pray. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, And he rebuilt himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Sibidi, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse four. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciples whom Jesus loved Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out of the land, I'm sorry, when they got out on on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it, laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now the disciples dare ask him, no, I'm sorry. Now none of the disciples there ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and stood, and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was real to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray, Father God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have, Lord, together this afternoon. God, we know that. Uh, our bodies, are times, that want to give up. Our bodies, at times, uh, are, are telling us to do something completely opposite of what the Spirit wants to do, Lord. So, Father, I pray that as we sit in this room today, Lord, as we sit in this church this afternoon, Lord, that you would give us the strength that we need, Lord, to be able to get through our day. But not just that, Lord, but that we may be able to have ears to hear what your Word has to, stay, has to say to us today, Father. Open up our ears, our hearts, our minds Fill us, Father, with your Spirit. I pray anyone that's listening to this, Lord, that you would just bless us, Lord, with the spiritual knowledge that we need, Lord, in order to be obedient to the things that you call us to do. There's a reason, Father, that you brought us in this place today, Lord. There's a reason why you, you, you want us to listen to this study today. And I pray, Lord, that as, as we continue on throughout our day, as we continue on throughout our lives, Lord, that this seed that's being planted in our hearts, Lord, that it may be a good fruit, Lord, a fruit that pleases you, a fruit that brings honor and glory to you and you alone. So, Father, I pray for every single person that's in this room, Lord, be with them, and everybody that's listening to this, uh, to this Bible study. I also pray for those, Father, that haven't come back for whatever reason. God, you know who they are, Father. I do pray, Lord, that you just bring them to a place where they know, Father, that they need you. Whether it be in this church or whether it be in another church, our desire, Father, is that people would draw close to you with your word, God, that they would have a desire to learn that they will have a hunger for your word, God. And I just pray for every single one of them, that you know them by name, you know, them, you know their hearts better than we do, God. And you know our hearts as well, Lord Father. So we surrender all to you. Be with us now, Lord, and speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. This part of the gospel is the conclusion of the book of John. This is the beginning of chapter 21 which is the conclusion of the book of John. This book compresses all of the Gospels into one simple concept. I told you guys, if you guys ever go back to, to, to study the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you guys will realize that they're all telling the same story from a different perspective. If you guys go to the book of Matthew and you guys study the, the book of Matthew, you guys are going to realize that Matthew emphasizes a lot on the history of, uh, uh, of the tree of Jesus, right? That's why when you read chapter one, it gives us a bunch of names. When you go to the book of Mark, it focuses on other things. When you go to the book of Luke, it focuses on, uh, on, on I, I forgot what um, the word I'm looking for, but all three are telling us the same story, but with different de- details for, from a different concept. Last week we finished, If you guys go back to chapter uh, twenty, verse—I uh, oh, missed it. Sorry, verse uh, thirty. You guys can go there with me. John chapter twenty, verse thirty. It says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But this are reading so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What is the key word that throughout the book of John we keep hearing over and over again? Believe. There's something about our culture nowadays, and, and it's different from back in the 90s, by the way. Um, back in the 90s, everything was word of mouth. Kathy, you remember this? Born in the 90s. My wife remembers this. Uh, Who else? Anybody in the 90s who remembers the 90s? Jocelyn? You remember the 90s? How old are you? Yeah. In In the 90s? No, in the 90s, how old were you? Like, by the time 2000 came along, you were how old? Okay, so yeah, so you probably remember some of this stuff. But... Back back when 2000 hit, I was already 18. So there's a lot of things that I experienced. I know, do the math. I'm about to hit 40, right? Think when I when I shave, I look er, when I shave, I look 38. <laughs> um, but back in the 90s, everything was word of mouth. Everything, whether it was if it was on the TV, and you tell that you tell someone what you saw on TV, they believe every single word that you would say. And they believed it. Where I was growing up, not everybody had phones. Pagers were the thing. How many of you guys guys do not know what a pager is? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Pager is a little box where you send a message to that little box, and it will tell you to call the number back. Google it. Google pagers. Not right now. We're in service. Either way. I remember the first time I got my hands on a pager, by the way, I, somebody, I guess you could text worse through with the numbers. You guys remember that? Huh? And, and, and somebody texted me, love. but I think it was, the, it was 7083. I was 3807. That means love? Got it. So I would tell people, 3807. I was like, no, what does that mean? You turn backwards, apparently it was love. But back in the 90s, everything was just, everything you would see on TV and you would tell somebody, hey, I saw this on TV, you got to believe me. Everything was that. They believed everything you would say. Everything. Now, obviously, there's ways we we can verify the information that's given to us. Right? I just told you guys to look up where the pager is. You can verify that pagers did exist at some point. You guys don't have to take my word for it. There's ways we can verify that. So imagine if in the, again, the earliest I could go to is back in the 90s, where people, you, your word was everything. Your reputation was everything. You could only go back to the time of Jesus, right, when there was none of that. There was no pager. there's no news, no TV, none of that stuff. Everything was word of mouth. And I know that in our hearts, we have a hard time even nowadays, and we could go into this, we could get into discussions about this, about this whole virus thing, what we believe, what we don't believe, what we assume to be true, what we know is not true. We could go on and on in that, right? Because a powerful tool is called the internet. In our hearts, we've allowed ourselves to have many doubts throughout our lives. I'll tell you guys this story. I love little kids. I love their honesty, and I love how, in your mind, you're trying to fool them, but we really aren't. True story, this happened this week. And when I heard this, I wanted to be like, nah, no, did this, 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 she just say this? Alana and Mercy were in my car, and Alana was playing with Mercy. And Alana kept, Alana kept hearing Alana says, Alana, Mercy, say fork. And say fork a bunch of times. Fork, fork, fork. That's all I hear Mercy saying. Fork, 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 fork. Now, now, Mercy's not going to school yet, so she doesn't know how to spell, but she did a, she did a pretty good job. Alana goes, no, spell fork. So I'm listening to them like, there's no way Mercy's going to spell fork. She can't. So she goes, F. And then she thought the next one's A. Because, uh, you know, she was trying to, anyway, Alana gives in. F-O-R-K, Mercy. Right? Now say fork again. Fork, fork, fork. fork. And then the whole point of that is to trick her, right? Because then Alana goes, How did, What do you eat soup with? So Mercy goes, Fork. And then Alana goes, No, nah. she's trying to make fun of her. And Mercy goes, But well, what if you have ramen? And I, I, I heard that, and I'm driving, I'm like, Snap, <laughs> But I didn't want to embarrass Alana, I didn't want to make a big deal about it. But I'm like, here I'm thinking, Mercy is this young, little, naive girl that doesn't know much. And yet she was able to put <laughs> something together that I'm sure some of you guys have your mind blown away right now. What if you're in ramen? Justice. Justice. You know what I mean? the whole point of that is like, in our minds, there comes a point where we start creating our own truth in our hearts, in our minds. At some point, some of us believed there was a Santa Claus. We believed our parents that, that that was the truth. Alana had recently just scared the heck out of Mercy about the tooth fairy. Right? We all believed about the tooth fairy. Alana just told Mercy recently, "Do you know they eat your tooth? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> just in case that was true. You know what I mean? All these realities that we ourselves tend to believe that we have no, nothing to back it up with. Jesus has done everything he has done up to to, uh, chapter uh, 20 in the book of John so that we may believe. And not only does he say things and he's teaching us things, but he's now giving us proof of everything that he's ever done. Does that make sense? Not only has Jesus never lied to us, right? But yes, somehow we know the disciples doubt it. How much more are we not going to doubt, correct? Jesus appears to the disciples, and Thomas says, I won't believe it until I see it. What does Jesus do? Here I am. Touch me. The whole point of the book of John is for us to believe, to fully commit to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it doesn't stop there. Verse 1, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. By the way, Tiberias is a real place. The name that we use now is the Sea of Galilee. That's the actual place where this happened. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Something interesting in that verse is that John is now bringing Peter out into the front of, uh, of the group. According to some of the commentaries that, that, that I read up on, the reason why Simon Peter is the first name that comes up is because they expected Peter to take the leadership that Jesus had left behind. Now that's weird, right? Who's the first one to deny Jesus? It was Peter. Who was the first one to say that, that he was going to give his life for Jesus? It's Peter. So John here, they believe that the reason why John has put the name of Peter first in this list is to bring us to the knowledge that Peter has now become the leader of the group. And we see that because of verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And who follow? The disciples. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, we might read this verse and not think anything of it. All right, so what? They got up, they went fishing, and they caught nothing. Wrong. The most reasonable explanation for Peter going fishing to the Sea of Galilee wasn't because he was just hungry you guys, I'm sure, you, uh, uh, if you knew this, awesome. If you didn't know this, like I didn't know this, here's a little like nugget of wisdom. They did this. They believed that, they did, that Peter did this out of obedience to God. Jesus had told them before he died to wait for him in Galilee. Didn't know that. And that is in Matthew 28, 16. It says now the 11 disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which what Jesus had directed them so being in galilee wasn't galilee wasn't one of those like i have nowhere to go they were in galilee because Jesus had commanded them to be there verse 4 just as the day was breaking Jesus stood on on the shore Yet the disciples did not, did not know that it was Jesus. Here's another, here's another thing. And I, I read this. I'm like, what, what can we as Christians get out of this? Right? I look at everything that we do. Yesterday, for example, if you guys didn't know, we, I had a small event planned. And I was so busy throughout the day that... I was frustrated with myself. It was hot. I didn't know if it was going to work out. I didn't know if people were going to show up. It was just one of those weird days where I literally said, I don't care anymore. Not once throughout the time that I was stressed out about putting the event together yesterday that I go and say, you know what, Lord? Please guide me. Please help me. Now, I'm not saying that's a sin. I'm not saying that's the worst thing anybody could do. But it goes to show you that when we're busy in the things that occupies our mind constantly, we tend to forget to run to Jesus. The disciples were so busy fishing, they were so busy being on the boat, that Jesus is standing, maybe not not right in front of them, but close to them. Close enough to where Jesus could talk to them, and yet they did not recognize him. How many times has not Jesus, has not the Holy Spirit been there with us in moments, and yet we don't recognize his voice because we're so busy doing the things that we're not supposed to? How many times have we not ignored the voice of the Lord because we're doing what pleases me? Kids have a tendency to find a way to get their ways. And yeah, we can make fun of them as a parent. I can make fun of my kids. Well, no. I could talk about my kids because they're my kids. But in reality, sometimes I act just as bad as they do. God, this is what I want. God, give me this. I want this. I need this. Give it to me. And you know the voice of the Lord is telling you, just wait. Hold on. No. Not right now. Is that, what is that, Lord? You want me to to go try it? Okay, let me check it out. And then if it happens, that means because you wanted it to happen. I mean, if the dealership tells me that I could buy this car right now, that means it's meant for me. Guess what the dealership's job is to do? It's to sell you a car. So they're going to tell you yes, no matter what you do. So no, it doesn't necessarily mean that God wanted you to have that new car that you'd be so desperately wanting to. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, by the way. I'm just saying that, that you know how many cars I've had in the past 15 years? I've had for three, and I was like, I'm going to go trade it. Laura, if it's your will, just make this transaction go through. And it goes through, but now I'm paying twice the amount of money that I was paying for the very first car that I ever had. Was it of the Lord? I promise you it wasn't. But he allowed things to happen. You get so caught up in doing the things of your daily living that you forget to run to Jesus. You forget to listen to his voice. It wasn't until verse 15 and 16, listen to what Jesus says to them. Says, Jesus says to them, children, first of all, think about this for a second. If you're fishing, and you hear somebody say tell, call you a child from far away, and you don't recognize them. It's not going to be a thing that you automatically act upon. As a guy, if I'm doing my thing, some random dude comes and says, hey, kid. Well, first of all, look at the gray hairs. Hey, no kid, homie. No, I wouldn't go like that. Unless it's a cholo. I might talk that way, but I, I probably won't. But I wouldn't let anybody put me in a position where like, first of all, I'm not a kid. I'm an adult. And I would put my little pride belt on, right? I would do that. We know right away that Jesus is speaking to them in a way where, like, I know who you are. Children, do you have any fish? They answer, no. Then Jesus commands them and tells them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish, because of the quantity of fish. Something, a lesson to take from this, guys. Because in verse 7, verse 7 tells us that now this disciple that Jesus loved, which we all know his name by now, who is he? Huh? The disciple that Jesus loved. Who is that? John. Now he put himself, his, himself first. says, now the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now how come he didn't recognize the Lord before he commanded them to do something, right? It's not after he sees the blessing of the obedience of listening to the Lord that now he recognizes that this is the Lord. I, I, I don't know if you guys understand the concept of what that does to us. I hope one day, maybe not now, all you young kids, Maybe later. You guys are going to be in a position at times of asking the Lord to guide us. Sometimes you won't hear anything. Sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answers will be just a little, it will take a little longer for for God to answer, but he will answer us. And when we do, the blessing that comes from it, there will be no denial that it comes from the Lord. Right? The problem with that concept, in my opinion, is that our love for the Lord, 99% of the time, is going to depend on what he does for us. And that's not how we're called to love the Lord. God, if you give me this, if you just open the doors for this, if you, man, I promise you I will love you. How many of you guys have done a prayer? How many, how many of you guys have done like a bargain with the Lord? Raise your hand. I, Lord, if you do this, promise you I'll be there on time. Lord, if you give me just what I want, I'll do whatever you, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You say, and it's like we've done. The, I uh, I don't even want to get into it. But I love the patience of Jesus, right? Just like Thomas, the, the Thomas who doubted of Jesus says, "I would not believe until I see him." And then Jesus says, "Instead of Jesus saying what? Really?" Jesus says, "Here I am." Same thing, they don't recognize Jesus. It's not until Jesus tells them, cast your net on this side, on the right side of the boat and you will, it's not until the blessing happens in front of them. It's not until the miracle happens and all of a sudden, now we believe. Now, in verse seven, when John tells himself that, by the way, I was the one that told Peter that he was the Lord. I love John, I really do. I love, so there's something about Peter that I feel very relatable to. But I feel like John puts, places himself in a position where we have to keep him at a higher standard. You know what I mean? Like by calling yourself the, the disciple that, that God loved, that standard is pretty high, right? Yet he places himself in the same place where Peter was denying Jesus and yet John didn't say a word. My opinion, John is just as guilty of denying Jesus as Peter is. Now I'm not mad at John. I love John. <laughs> I just want you, I I I just want you to grab I want us to grab the concept. Because in verse 7, by saying I was the one that told Peter that it was the Lord, he's pretty much the first one to admit that he was he did not recognize him at first. Does that make sense? It was crazy is that when he uses the word Lord in here, it means master. It's my master. It is the one that I submit to. Notice how this time, John just cries out, it is the Lord, but who's the one that acts upon? Let's continue reading verse seven. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for and threw himself in the sea, into the sea. Does that sound familiar? This is the part where I want us to put our thinking caps on. <laughs> no. You guys remember where else John and Peter were in the same place together? Okay. Getting warm? And what happened in the tomb? Look at you taking notes. What happened, Beto? Raise your hand. Good job. Something else happened there. Hold on. This is the opportunity to get the other one. If you guys didn't hear what he just said, what happened was John and Peter were the first ones to run to the tomb. John gets there first, but the first ones to go all the way in is Peter, right? Here's our question here. Question B. Who was the first one to believe of the resurrection? Jocelyn? It was John. Tírate, mujer, just John. Oh, sorry. Now, I didn't know that. Like we read a Bible, the Bible says that John believed, but even though Peter was the first one to walk in, it never says that Peter believed. Isn't that crazy? You knew it, right? Now, we kind of see the same pattern. John cries out, it is the Lord, and Peter jumps in. Peter jumped into the water out of impulse, and he headed to see the Lord. Verse eight. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. This is approximately about three hundred feet off the shore. When they got out of the land, they saw charcoal fire, a charcoal fire in place, with fish out on it, laid on on it. And bread. Now, again, I hope you guys recognize, I hope, I hope you guys understand now that there's details that we cannot just miss. You guys ready? Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you've caught. I'm gonna give you guys a minute. Between verse nine and 10, there's, sub- there's something that needs to stand out to us that to the naked eyes, we just read right through it and ignore it. See if you guys notice or catch something that's happening in those two verses. There's something that's happening between verse 9 and 10, that to the naked eye, if we just read right through it, it, it we'll ignore But there's something that's happening that... It doesn't really make sense, but it makes a lot of sense once we study it. No. It's happening in verse 9 and 10. Getting warm. Getting cold. Getting warm. Come on, guys. Put your thinking caps on. you're, You're right. Come on, come on. Huh? The, the. Okay? And what's the difference between verse nine and ten? No, oh, you're so close, bro. you're so close. you got you got half the answer, right? Okay, yes. Right, Nathan, is that what you were saying? So, no, yeah? Okay, so you were there and you were there. So you guys get to share one. Now, did you get a candy? You haven't gotten a candy, huh? Oh, bro, (laughs) le voy a pegar. Ivan, saludas. Now, if you just read right through it, you skip right through it. Now, when they arrive, Jesus is already cooking some fish. And he's inviting them to come over and eat with him. But as he's inviting them, saying, bring your fish over. Wait, wait, why? Imagine like, you might be like my wife. I do this with my brothers because they're my brothers and I can mess around with it. But my wife hates it when I do this. Hey, you guys want to come over for breakfast on a Saturday morning? He goes, yeah, bro, we'll be there. And then the question is, what do you want me to bring? All right, cool. You're asking, so I'm going to answer. Bring orange juice. Bring some eggs. Bring some beans. All my wife is going to do is cook it. Then I hear my, bag, my wife saying, Joe, we got all this stuff. I know, but they're offering it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, if you could bring it yourself, why am I going to waste my stuff? My wife hates it when I did that, by the way. Point being is, it doesn't make sense for us to ask of something that we already have at home when we're offering to people. Right? Jesus is cooking fish and bread. He already has the fish and the bread. But he's now asking them to bring over their stuff. why Jesus has given us the perfect example we as Christians are called what fishermen of fishes or men thank you i said fishermen of men that makes no sense fishes of men Jesus in this example is telling us look what i've done for you you are capable of doing Just like I brought you into repentance, just like I brought you into salvation, you now in obedience, right? Because what happened is, hey, cast your net on this side, and you're going to bring fish in. If we're obedient to the things that God calls us to do, you and I have the capacity to bring people to salvation. The thing is, no, Jesus has to do all the work. Like, I don't have to do anything. I just want to sit here and like, watch. I'm going to sit on this couch, and if God wants me to share the gospel with someone, that person is going to call me right now. No one. So I don't get to share the gospel. Right? That's not how this works. When Jesus calls us to go out there and make disciples of men, he wants us to go out and walk and do something. We can't just be sitting here warming up the seats. We, just come to, we can't just come to church on Thursdays or Sundays or whenever it is that we come and just expect to be like, okay, I did my duty. No. Our call as Christians is outside of these walls. That's why Jesus is here. Have my fish. I've done the work. Now it's your time to work. It's your time to be obedient. Verse 11, so Simon Peter went aboard, aboard and hauled the net, the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. My wife might remember this. When I was in the high school ministry, I, the first Bible study I heard on, on the net and the fish. Again, it was for a high school service. But it blew my mind away that I remember that till today. I'm talking back in '97. I know, right? But I remember this Bible study. It was by Jose, honey. I don't know, I don't know if you'll remember this one. But before I get into that story, the reason why John in, in verse 11 tells us the number, the exact number of fish that, were, that they caught, it wasn't just to show off, by the way. This is done so that we, now we, for accountability. It's for record purposes to know. By the way, so you know that I was there I'm giving you the exact number of people that were there, right? Imagine, like, you go to a place and you're like, oh, yeah, I was at a house. Well, who was there? You know, people. But if they are like, oh, yeah, well, I saw Freddie, I saw Beto, I saw Isaac, I saw all these guys, they we're like, okay, yeah, I believe you, right? There's, there's just something about that accountability of giving exact names and numbers that you know people were in those, in those places. John does that by giving us the exact number of fish. Who tells us the number of fish? John just wants accountability. John just wants us to you know By the record, I was truly there. But again, back to the story. The first story that I ever heard, the first Bible study I heard, the net and the fish, it had nothing to do with obedience. Well, it had to do with obedience, but it had nothing to do with what we're reading right now. But it had everything to do in a way where when God calls us to do something. all right? And I remember Jose saying this, before the Lord, all of us are fishing at school, and I'm not saying fishing guys and girls, okay? We're fishing for our future. We're fishing for what we're going to do next, for who we're going to marry, for who this and who that and when and how. We're constantly fishing for something. But we're constantly coming short on it. And said that is because your net and my net are ripped apart. Every time we throw it out there, it comes back empty because there's... It's not connected right. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. When Jesus comes and he saved us, he grabs our net, and bounces it together to where, when we're obedient to where, he tells us to throw our net, where to go to school, where to go to church, who to marry, where to go. That net is always going to come back full. And it's so Truth till today. I wanted to start today's Bible study by encouraging you guys that no matter matter what it is that we're going through, and I I promise you, I've been sharing with you guys lately that there's a lot of stuff that's going on personally in my life, mentally, where like, I want to give up. I want to give up. But those things are meant there to be a distraction in order so that you and I give up in the things that God has called us to do. God will never discourage you to do something that he's calling us to do does that make sense if i come to practice on sunday mornings i'm tired i'm moody i don't want to be here i'm tired i, I just then we go to practice and then we're not playing the right notes we're not singing the right things blah, the piano, everything's all over the place those things are there to discourage us from worshiping the lord they're not there to show—that God is showing us through the mess-ups that, by the way, yeah, you guys suck today. You guys shouldn't do worship today. <laughs> that's not what he's going to do. Uh, he calls out the rocks to cry out for him, right? The rocks cry out for him. So no matter what noise we make out there, God wants to be praised. God wants to be uh, uh, worshiped by us, his people. So whatever discouragement it is that we're going through, whatever it is that's trying to push us away from the church, from the people from church, Right? They're actually meant so that you could walk away from the things of the Lord. Imagine John, Peter, and all these people on the boat throwing the net all night. One side, nothing, 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 all night. The moment they listen to the voice of the Lord, and they're obedient to what God calls them to, the blessings are not just to the point where they couldn't even like, bring the fish aboard. Like they literally had to drag it through the sea. And I see that. You guys have no idea. Like the past few Sundays where I've been here, like Saturdays have been hard mentally. I'm like, oh, like I can't do this. Like I'm not good enough. and, And I suck. And I can't even pronounce this word. And all this like mental struggles that I go through to be able to be up here. And then come finish the Bible study. I sit down and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you taught me, and that alone is a blessing. And to hear some of you guys at times saying, thank you for this. God spoke to me this way or that way. Man, it, it blows my mind that God would use anyone like me. But it, it's not because of me, by the way. It's because of who the Lord is in my life. And it's because I'm, I want to be obedient to the things that he calls me to do. And those things that he calls me to do are going to be uncomfortable at times. The most uncomfortable position I've ever been in as, as a human being. Like, I used to go to chiropractic care years ago because my back was messed up. And I didn't know what it was. The guy's the, the lady in the front, uh, uh, a nurse, whatever she was. She goes, go into the room and uh, just wait for there. The chiropractor will be there in a minute. I was like, cool. So I'm sitting there, and the dude walks in, big dude. Big dude. Like the guy, yeah. He goes, Take off your shirt. What? Excuse me? Yeah, take off your shirt. And then he goes, uh, So where's the problem area? So I pointed out it was my lower back. He goes, All right, take off your pants. Wait? Wait, what? And I'm, I'm mentally struggling with what he's asking me to do. Because I don't just take off my clothes in front of people when they ask me to. That's not how this works, you know. Even with a doctor, like I'm like he goes, all right, we'll take off your shirt. I'm like, do I have to? You know, I, I question the doctors. And so, anyway, so this guy goes and tells, Anyway, once he starts working on my back, and I feel the relief, and I feel the the, the problem areas that he that the, the, they're now feeling better. I'm like. Oh, so that makes sense. Now I know why you wanted me to take off my pants, because the problem area was right below the, my back, and it was on this, so my belt would have been there. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, everything starts making sense. The problem is, before that, in my mind, I'm thinking, what if this dude is this? What if the dude like, has issues with that? What if he takes a picture of me? And all, all of a sudden, like in my mind, like it's the worst thing that could happen to me. Yet, all the dude wanted to do was massage my lower back. <laughs> right? Think about that. Hey, Joel, I want you to wait. I, I, I want you to wait on buying this house. But God, I really want to How's the prices are going up. They, this is, oh, I can't, Lord. By the time, like, like, the end of the year comes, forget it. At first, I felt I was this far from buying a house, and I'm be like, this far from buying a house, God, you don't love me. Literally a conversation that I've had with the Lord in my heart. You don't love me, Lord, because I don't have a house. How fair does that sound? And all I keep hearing the Lord is saying, wait, wait, and wait. But somehow in my mind, the Lord doesn't love me. The whole point of Peter and John and the fish and Jesus waiting for them, Right? Jesus is not on board with them. We know that Jesus could already walk on water. How come Jesus didn't run up to them? How come Jesus didn't give him of of his fish? Why 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 did Jesus have to ask them for their fish? He's calling us not to be lazy Christians. He's calling us to be obedient. To go out there and make disciples of men. He's asking us to get up and fish for the right things, on the right side, on, in his perfect timing. And as we do all these things, they're all for us to bring him to the Lord and bring him down and put them at his feet. Guys, nothing we do in this place is so that you guys can see Pastor Elias or Hermano Cirilo, or you guys would see me in a place where like, I'm going to do this for Joe, and then you guys come to me like, ooh. If you ever do that to me, I'm going to kick you. <laughs> like, don't ever Bring things I want us together as a church, as a body, as friends, as brothers and sisters, that everything we do, we can say, Lord, here it is. We, we, as a body, we did this together to bring you honor and glory In obedience. And as we do that, the Lord, in verse 12, he invites us to come in and says, Jesus said to him, come and have breakfast. And as we're having breakfast, things become things. And as they're having breakfast, things started to become more real to the disciples. Look, in verse twelve, says Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. Verse thirteen says, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The other two times we know that it was in John chapter 20 verses 9 through 23, and John 20 26 to 29. Again, Peter John does this so that he gives us an exact uh, account that he was physically, personally there. The invitation for us as Christians in obedience. Key word is obedience, to be able to come to the Lord with an offering that's pleasing to him. As simple as I could put this, right? How many of you guys, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I hope if you're working, if, if, if you bring money into your bank account or your home, I hope that you take some of the money, set it apart for the Lord, and bring it as an offering to the Lord, right? That's what we're called to do, to bring our offerings into the Lord. If you don't work, don't worry. This doesn't apply to you. But imagine, hey, Joe, what do you do for the living? You know, I'm a, I'm a drug, I'm a cartel person, What do you, a drug dealer. Oh, do you must make a lot of money? Yeah, I do, okay. I mean, I can't afford a house in California, but I'm all right. And then I say, but you know what? Lord, I know the Lord is blessing me. Someone gave some of the money that I, that I get from the drug uh, deals that I make and I'm bring it to the Lord, because I want to honor him. Right? Drug money, right? Does that even make sense? Can I bring that offering into the Lord and say, this is to honor the Lord? No, we can't. We cannot do that. We can't act a fool outside of these walls and pretend that we could be here like nothing ever happened. I told you guys, and I shared this with you guys plenty of times when I was in high school, party every Saturday night, quinceañeras were the bomb back in the 90s. Birria, I tasted all kinds of birrias. I danced all kinds of music. I've seen all kinds of drunk people (laughs) at quinceañeras. But come Sunday, I have to go to church, you know, like, whatever. (laughs) That was my dumb mentality back in the days, thinking, you know, I did my sin in the night. Come in the morning, I'm a holy person. Really? Like, (laughs) makes no sense. One of the books that I'm I'm praying that we read, I was reading the introduction to the book. And in the very introduction to the book, it's about us being called to holiness. It's not about the things that we bring to the Lord that says, well, I did this for the Lord and I'm good at this and I'm good at that. But it's about us keeping our holiness as Christians. And it blew my mind how, we could have the wrong mentality about what a Christian really is. We cannot do whatever the heck it is that we want outside of this walls and pretend that nothing, everything's okay inside the walls. God knows our hearts, and he's the one person that we will never be able to fool. The invitation is for us to come and have breakfast with the Lord, come and dine with him. As we bring our offerings to him, as, we, as we, in obedience, we bring everything that he's asking us to do. So, do not try to fool the Lord. Be transparent. Bring an offering that's, that's that's worthy of His praise. So, I want to leave you guys with that, and uh, let's pray, guys. Father God, we thank you again for all that you do for us, God. I I, I know. It's it's fun and and coming to church and fellowship is an amazing feeling. But what happens when that feeling's over, Lord? What happens once we're not surrounded by people that we like and and our friends? What happens when we get home? What happens when we exit the walls? What happens when, when, when nobody's around us, God? Are we being obedient? Honestly, only you know, God. Are we being loving? Are we showing mercy? Are we showing grace? Are we letting the enemy discourage us from coming to you? Are we causing division? Are we bringing unity? Are we loving one another the way you want us to? Father, just guide us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. The same invitation that was given to the disciples to bring their fish over because they cut that out of obedience of what you asked them to do. We want to bring our offerings to you, Lord, because this came out of obedience unto you. So, Father, please guide us and fill us with the Spirit, Lord, that everything we do may it be to honor and glorify you and you alone. Thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord. We want to worship you with our lives. We want to honor you with our actions and, and, and everything that we do and say, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen.